0: I have Grant the Gallier here with me as always, and I'm your host, Parker Fleming. Uh, Tonight, we are going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about TCU players, where they might go, what their strengths might be, where they might fit in the NFL. Um, And so excited to talk about that. We'll get to FPI. The ESPN football numbers came out today as well. And so we'll have a little bit of potpourri and talk about the draft. Grant, hello, and uh, good to talk to you.
1: It's good to talk to you too, Parker. Uh, I... Normally get really hyped for the draft. Uh, there's a couple great games you can play online where you kind of assume the role of a GM of a football team and just kind of draft and they'll grade you on that. I haven't played those this year, most because I would do it at work when uh, I was bored, but I am much more busy at my new job and the draft is not uh, live this year. So it's been kind of a weird run up. It's like, oh my goodness, the draft is here uh, and we'll watch a bunch of NFL GMs try to navigate Zoom, which should be really fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, what's the over-under for the can Can you hear me? Like that's got to be at least at least three times per guy.
1: We do it starting every podcast. So yeah. I, I can't imagine getting 32 old men in a room uh, and trying to figure that out. Uh, I, I know we'll talk about this later, but before we get to FPI real quick, do you have favorite professional football team?
0: Um, I am uh, very casually a Tennessee Titans fan. Okay. And it's a fun story uh, because I'm from Tennessee, but I never liked the Titans when I was there. I moved up to Montana to do some master's work, and my neighbor, who is also my pastor, uh, said, you're from Tennessee, I'm a Titans fan. You should be a Titans fan too and watch the games with me. And I said, no, that doesn't sound very cool. And he said, my wife will make us lunch and you can have free beer on Sunday afternoons after church. And so I became a Titans fan and spent uh, Sundays over at his place watching the game DVR'd because Mountain Time, the games are kind of earlier. Mm-hmm. Um and so became a Titans fan probably 2015 was kind of the start of that.
1: Okay. Okay. I was just curious. I'm a zombie Titans fan, aka the Houston Texans. And we'll get yeah. into why I hate the mm-hmm. draft, but uh that's that's just more of a personal note.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I can't believe we haven't talked because that's that's theoretically a rivalry. I don't have like strong yeah. passions, but that's kind of a rivalry.
1: Yeah, it is. I have very bad mem well, I have a good memory of Andre Johnson beating up Cortland Finnegan, uh, which was really fine. And then I have a memory of uh chris johnson i think it was the year he ran for two thousand yards split out wide against the texans and uh houston didn't put a cornerback on him so they threw it to him five yards off the line of scrimmage and he ran 75 yards untouched oh my Uh, gosh those are the two memories i have of the the titans
0: outstanding uh that's that's chris johnson who is currently under investigation in a murder for hire uh, uh kind of a joe exotic situation um, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm looking I looked at the Titans schedule because I couldn't even tell you how they did against the uh Texans this last year. So I bet they lost. Um
1: well they made the AFC championship game, I'm sure. They, they actually
0: would. split the the road team won both games, which is interesting. Um so go. the only team I really hate is the Colts, I guess. That's that's the big uh team I don't want to succeed.
1: Yeah. I grew up a Peyton Manning fan, um, because the Texans were god awful for a decade and I was young enough to where I was like, dude, I like I, I can't even get into this team. They started existing when I was seven like I'm not gonna pull for this this crap team. So I was a Peyton Manning guy for a while. I, I have a soft spot for the Colts.
0: Yeah, I like the Peyton Manning Colts. It's kind of like the Andrew Luck and the new my new Titans. Yeah. fan. I'm yeah. kind of guessing. Well. those. so Ah, that makes sense. This uh, I think
1: a, this is an NFL podcast
0: by the way. It is now. Oh, I was about to segue back to TCU and say I think uh, Josh Caraway is the most recent TCU player uh, to play for the Titans. He uh, he's a defensive lineman for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the Texans have had a TCU player. Now that I think about it. I'm going to their draft history. I'm not sure they they've had it, but
0: yeah, speaking of TCU, uh what are the best teams
1: in the country going in the next year, Parker?
0: Uh, well, I, I think we have some numbers that'll tell you not what they are. Uh, I think it was today. I, the, I just saw it today. I don't know when they came out with it. But ESPN came out with their football power index numbers for college football. And um, I will say I'm skeptical of these numbers. The only reason I care about them is that stats published on ESPN get looked at by the playoff committee. And so these theoretically matter. And I think they're a little crazy right now. So um, the first fact I have to tell you is Northwestern is 25th in FBI going into the 2020
1: season. They, they like return everybody, don't they?
0: Yes, but as we've said often on this podcast, and we will say again, uh, if all of your players are bad, if you bring them back, they're still bad players. Yeah, yeah, They
1: switched up true. the offense,
0: they returned the quarterback, they had a decent defense, but it wasn't like their offense had a few, you know, so TCU's offense last year was bad, right? They, yeah. they had some moments where they looked good but there was just a bunch of things that happened and they turned out bad. Northwestern's offense was not like TCU's offense. Northwestern's offense was hapless. It was literally incapable of scoring the ball. They were averaging south of four yards on first down. Um, absolute, absolutely miserable. Uh, so I, I'm skeptical of them being in the top 25. I'll run down the Big 12 really quick. Here's, here's what the Big 12 looks like according to FBI. Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU at number four, Iowa State, Kansas State, Baylor, Tech, West Virginia, rounding out the bunch, Kansas, who just barely cracks the top 100. So TCU, according to FBI, is projected to go seven and four and four and six. So um, that's 7.4 and 4.6 losses. What we can say there is we're rounding seven seven and five is kind of the statistical projection. Uh, A 0.1% chance to go undefeated a 91.6% chance of bowling and a 0.03 chance to go to the playoff, which makes TCU, according to FBI, the 22nd most likely playoff team for 2020. How about those apples?
1: Well, uh, sure. I, you know, I'm looking at the, the FBI, kind of the overall um, TCU is 21st overall. Am I reading this right? Yes. And ba- Baylor is number 34.
0: Yes. So now, that one, that one sticks out for sure.
1: Uh yeah. I know this is a TCU Homer podcast at times. Uh, but even I can't go that far. Putting putting Baylor anywhere outside the top 15 seems wild. I I, I know they, because... they lose some guys, but just I mean, man alive. I trust Bill Connolly, but this is wild, dude.
0: Yeah, so I think uh, I will say, I don't think we're throwing Bill under the bus. I do not yeah, think he has mean, it has anything to do with FBI. Yeah.
1: This, well, yeah. I mean, this is an SP, but yeah, it's still um,
0: crazy to me. He's, I mean, he's still part of the empire. So, you know, he's responsible for this and something. Yeah, because you think, okay, Baylor loses a ton on defense. Well, and they lose their coach. So maybe there'll be some, some trouble there. What does Baylor have, though, still? They have a defensive minded coach. What does a defensive minded coach need to succeed? A Highly competent quarterback. Baylor has both of those things. I can't imagine them being that low. I can't imagine Brock Purdy and Iowa State lost enough to put them all the way down at all the way down at twenty seventh behind TCU behind a TCU team who they just they romped last yeah. year, just ran right over. And both of them are effectively bringing back the same teams.
1: Yeah. Speaking of returning players that were bad, West Virginia at 45 seems awfully optimistic, man, because I saw that graph you put out last night or the night before with West Virginia's offensive stats and kind of where they were in terms of average – was it average uh, points added per play, per rush, and and per – pass and they were closer to akron than they were any other power five team
0: they were they were very bad and and some of those graphs uh what i've been working on tweaking is like looking at over the course of the season because that is misleading they were very very bad for the first part of the season and then decent for the for the last part um so there's kind of some distributional effects there but they were extremely bad um but they also had a terrible roster and were better than you thought they would be
1: so i, I guess they i'm mean, well they did beat tcu but i, I I don't know. I'm not low sure. bar
0: for uh, comp. Hey, that's about. a very low bar. <laughs> by the
1: way, and just because I brought it up, I looked at that 2019 Akron schedule, and who boy was okay, that,
0: that? was up. that was over right.
1: Yes, the only team to go uh, over 12. They lost to Ohio 52 to three.
0: Hey, Nathan Rourke can sling the football. Okay, losing to Ohio sure. by that by 52 points. I mean, come on.
1: They gave up 37 points to UMass in a game that 7,000 people watched.
0: There it is. It that was
1: dark. That was really dark. Sorry, I, I this is sending do you, me down. A do, you think,
0: do you think do you think while we're while we entertaining this, whatever? Do you think more people watched UMass Akron than watched the Oklahoma Army game that was only streaming on that one guy's phone?
1: Yes. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how I know this. It's because UMass Akron was broadcast on Flow Sports. Okay. I was once offered a position by Flow Sports. And everywhere I looked, was like, hey, you shouldn't do this. This is uh, not a great company. I feel comfortable saying that without burning any contacts. Um, And I don't know anyone that has a Flow Sports subscription. So I think more people watch that guy's feet than watch the UMass acting game.
0: Oh, yeah. Even if it was on, like, CBS College Sports Net or something, I would think maybe it would have more. But because it was on Flow, Flow is impossible. Yeah, Flow is terrible.
1: I don't know how it works. It it really only broadcasts – I think they're really good at broadcasting wrestling
0: Yes. Can well, they've they've effectively monopolized wrestling content, and they're slowly taking it off of broadcast and making it on flow. Uh, yeah. So I, I I wrestled in high school, and I'm a big kind of college wrestling fan, and it's been really frustrating because the amount of matches you can watch, especially the premier ones, uh, without a flow subscription is is dwindling, which is frustrating.
1: We we're going to have to spend a, a different podcast diving down your call your high school wrestling career. That's not something I knew about you and and that's that's, yeah, that's very interesting Parker. I didn't know you liked to to hit the mat.
0: I was um very bad. So
1: <laughs> fair enough. Well speaking of very bad, Kansas at 98 is hilarious.
0: Yeah, I mean you want to be optimistic about them, but I you know, less is going to be good for like if Kansas gets in the top 70, that's success. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think so I think Iowa State is low. I think, honestly, Oklahoma State is low. Oklahoma State is behind Notre Dame, UCF, Texas A&M, USC, Florida, and Texas. If I was going to give you those six teams and say, are you taking Oklahoma versus those six teams in terms of who's going to finish higher? I'm not sure you'd pick Oklahoma State, sorry. Uh, but you would at least think about it because Oklahoma State has so much of a core there.
1: I agree. USC is really interesting there. I don't know how they're going to – because Caden Slovis is obviously really good. But Clay Hilton is the ultimate lame duck coach. He really well, is. He said that for like the last two years, and he still keeps getting rehired. Who else did you say? USF? Or okay, so,
0: so Oklahoma State is 17. I'll go okay. 16 up. Okay. Notre Dame, A&M, UCF, UC, USC, Florida, and then Texas is at 11. Okay. I, man, I –
1: it, it's hard to pick any winner out of that group, to be honest with you. But Oklahoma State does have, like, I think probably the highest ceiling in terms of what they can do with their schedule and kind of the explosive factor of that offense.
0: Right. Well, it's and it's kind of the same as Florida, where it's like, Florida could have a very good team and still not even sniff the SEC championship game. And I feel like Oklahoma State this year could have a very good team and not make the Big 12 championship game.
1: But see, I – maybe we have to pencil in the loss to Oklahoma that happens every year. And I know Cowboys fans hate that joke, but it is absolutely true. Um, but this might, I mean, Oklahoma, if they're going to have a down year, this might be it. I know we talked to Shay last week about how Jalen Hurts really wasn't the right quarterback for that offense, but like Spencer's gonna take time to adjust. Spencer Rattler is, yeah. and if Spencer Sanders can like find the magic in his first year at Oklahoma State, I think this is their window to make a Big Twelve championship. I,
0: game. I wonder when Bedlam is, and then we should actually talk about the NFL. But whatever. Yeah, but uh, I'll look that up. Ooh, Bedlam is week one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Week eight, third Saturday mm. in October. I feel like that's enough time for Spencer Rattler to get it going. I think it is. Because last week, last week, she, she, uh, blah, 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 blah. Shea Han said, Shea said, I said it right beforehand, and then we got on the air and I froze (laughs) like a deer in headlights. Anyway, our friend from Dave Campbell's said that Spencer Rattler wouldn't start the season as one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, but he would definitely finish the season as one Mm -hmm. of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. And I think week eight is probably right about that point where everyone says, like, okay, Spencer Rattler's really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. I I just, Kind of like you said, Florida could have a really good season not make the ACC title game. Texas A&M does that quite a bit, and it's funny every time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. This, this, I think this is Oklahoma State's window, but 17 is awful low.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do love the comparison of A&M and Oklahoma State, and I'm so glad they played in a bowl last year. Uh, yeah. Just because that's a very that's, – that's kindred pairing for sure.
1: It, there's a lot of similarities that – would take an entire podcast to, uh, break down,
0: but not the yes. least of which is that when the oil, uh, economy collapses, both of those schools will close. Um, I'm sorry, people's jobs are at stake and that's not funny. Yeah. But
1: you know, whose <laughs> jobs aren't at stake. Mike Gundy and Jimbo Fisher.
0: They are not. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know what the chain of command is like. If Texas A&M closes, they're not going to close. This is not, this is entirely sure. hypothetical, but it's like, how far do you get until like some millionaire who lives in Houston is like, okay, I'm, I'm responsible. I'm on the hook for Jimbo's contract. It's guaranteed. Like he has to, somebody has to pay for it. So yes. Oh God, it's so good. Okay. That Yeah. So let's, let's transition. Let's talk about the NFL draft. Uh, I'm going to have to edit this podcast tonight and get it out there for our viewers because the NFL draft is coming. Um, TCU has a, a sneakily uh, stout roster of potential draftable individuals. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they, you know, we're looking at, High-end prospects like Jeff Gladney, Ross Blacklock, Jalen Rager. Um, Lucas Nyang is on draft boards. Cordell Iwagwu is um, increasing as of late in terms of name recognition. Darius Anderson has been a late-round um, favorite of some people. And Shewa Olana Lua's name has popped up just because of his physical tools. Um, I – I think what we will do is go through and talk about each of these individuals uh, and kind of see where they are in the draft. What what was their strength in college? What might they be in the NFL? um, And kind of where they are in the landscape and what teams might get there. First, I kind of want to talk about approaching the draft and the draft in general. So, Grant, you told me that you hate the NFL draft. And I want to hear why. I want you to relive your your hatred for that draft right here for all of our viewers.
1: Okay, it's because the Texans are bad at it. And what I mean by that is that they – Sorry, so made... you mean
0: that the Texans, who traded one of the best receivers in the NFL for an old injured running back, are bad at pl- uh, picking players?
1: Yes, that's true. They, so, the, matter of fact, that, that man, DeAndre Hopkins, was the 27th pick in the 2013 NFL draft. It is the best pick the Texans have ever made. Here is the rest of the 2013 NFL draft. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, obviously extremely good. D.J. Swearinger, okay. Right. A, name I, a name
0: I recognize. A
1: name you recognize, okay. I'm, I can tell you positions, but you're not going to know any of these names. Britton Williams, Sam Montgomery, Trevardo Williams, David Quessenberry, Alan Bonner, Chris Jones, and Ryan Griffin. Nobody. Griffin was a tight end that played a bit for the Texans. I don't know any of those other names.
0: Yeah, no, nobody sounds familiar there. I, Some great names, but no, none of them. Yeah,
1: fans. they're fun names. Uh, I, I mean, they drafted Braxton Miller in the third round should, as a wide should receiver.
0: Have, should have done that. They'd, right, already, yeah. they'd already
1: taken Will Fuller, who's a good receiver. But uh, I mean, Deshaun Watson was a good pick. The Texans are just extremely bad at the draft. It's, it's hard for me to get excited leading up to it because my team is very bad at it. I remember when they drafted Deshaun Watson, I was covering a high school softball game. And I think... I, like, fist-pumped in the press box. It was a very weird scenario. And then since then, it's just been straight downhill. Justin Reed, uh, they drafted him as a safety in 2018. He's decent. Kiki Kuti, they took him from Tech in the fourth round of 2018. He plays sparingly. But other than that, it's just, like, mid-range tackles and guards. And it's just never fun, Parker. I I don't understand why they have to keep doing this to me.
0: Yeah, aside from Deshaun Watson, uh, it feels like there hasn't been a lot of, like, and, and Will Fuller was a great pick. Uh, a, a ton of like, hey, these are fun guys. There's kind of like an inverted, like a U of excitement at the draft. And so it's really good to be like in the top five. And then it's really good to be in like the bottom five of the uh, draft because two reasons. One, you had a great season before and your team's probably good. But two, you get to take a flyer on guys who come into a great situation. So Kiki Kuti, for example, is a guy who under Cliff Kingsbury got utilized in a way that was just amazing. Um, and so it was really, really good because he's, you know, small, scrappy, fast, um, but was just utilized. I remember specifically the Texas game where he hid behind the guard and they ran the fake and he scored the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, some really, really good usage. I feel like he's a guy who, if he had gone later in the draft, in the round, would have been picked up by a better team, would have been able to thrive a little bit more in the, in the NFL. Um, so some of that's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. These guys that get picked in the middle of the rounds – aren't aren't in good situations correct
1: i would also like to point out that the texans have drafted three players from rice and three from san jose state in their 17 years of existence
0: look that kevin McGivin passing offense is better than you (laughs) i saw somebody the other day make the case for um i think their quarterback's name is justin love and made the case for justin love over jordan love Uh, sure so anyway um Cool. Well, I'll plug something really quick that I've been reading today. Uh, our, our friend Daniel Houston, who does Cowboy Stats and Graphics, one of the OG uh, NFL Twitter analytics people, did a draft breakdown, um, and not about players, but kind of about the process and looking at analytics. So one, go uh, subscribe to his newsletter and read this. But two, he, he kind of had three rules for how to approach the draft. And I really like those because he basically says, trade down to diversify your portfolio. So the, the probability of hitting on any one prospect is very low. And so the more you can spread out that risk, the better off you're going to be. Um, second, he says, focus on only high impact needs. There might be a really, really good guard in the first round, but that's not going to revolutionize your team, especially if you're bad. So he cites uh, Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus, who says, the further away from the ball a player plays, the more valuable they are after quarterbacks, wide receivers, defensive backs, and tight ends have the highest average war. So uh, you want to go for corner, wide receiver, safety, quarterback, and then think about your offensive tackle. Um, and so there is kind of a clear blueprint of here's where you get success early on. Um, and then thirdly, he says, don't, don't get attached to names. Because I think that's what a lot of people do is they hear, hey, this one guy's a good prospect. I'm attached to him. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to f- stick to that. So those are kind of three good guiding principles um and just wanted to like plug his his newsletter because it was a really really good one
1: yeah and i think there are a lot of good nuggets in there i think there's also like definitely exceptions that prove the rule which kind of like help us point like you talk about how you don't necessarily want to draft like your your cornerstone guard right, right? number one number one overall or, or with your first pick and you know that because you remember the guys that actually panned out like, uh, Quentin Nelson, we talked about the Colts earlier. Incredible pick out of Notre Dame. The guy's a bear, and he's a monster in the offensive line. But you know his name because he's one of, like, the few guards that are extremely good. Right. Like, for the most part, you're going to want to draft, like, the – you know, your second wide receiver, like you said, carries more weight than your first-string right guard. Right. Um, and that's kind of tough, I think, for teams. Because they say, well, great, like, for the Texans. Like, we have DeAndre Hopkins, or we did. Why would we draft another wide receiver? Well, because you might trade Hawkins because your coach is also the general manager and is a complete idiot. So you need to have those guys that, that can perform in those value situations. And I think for TCU, like they have guys that are in those positions, right?
0: Definitely. So, I, think, uh, I think probably first one off the board um, is going to be Jeff Gladney, um, cornerback who, who gave four really high-quality years to TCU. Um, I'm using, as my reference, a tool called Grinding the Mocks. Benjamin Robinson on Twitter uh, made this, and he basically pulls every single mock draft that's published from a you know reputable source and aggregates them together. And Jeff Gladney has projected um, average of, of, of 30 seconds, so just in the first round. Um, I've seen him in mock drafts at uh, CBS Sports as high as 19th to mm-hmm. Las Vegas, uh, though that's where the trade, so contingencies, um, 22nd, 25th, or fo- uh, falling as low as 49th. But Jeff Gladney is a guy who could come in and start for you immediately and lock down some players. So, um, Grant, let's talk about Jeff Gladney's TCU career and why he's, why he's probably leading the pack uh, of draftable prospects.
1: Yeah, I think it's because he's been the most consistent um, He started, I think, the final final eight games of his sophomore year. I I think that's right. I I wrote about him uh, last week and kind of all these draftees. But ever since then, he's just been a mainstay at corner. And in a league like the Big 12, where you have a lot of reps, there's a lot of tape on you. uh, He stands out as a guy that is time in and time out, a lockdown guy. His stats don't jump off the page. But I think that's for two reasons. And they kind of go together. One is that he really shut down half of the field. Um, he, like quarterbacks would not throw to him. Um, so that that's, that's a plus for his column. The other is that of course, TCU had so many problems on the other side of the, uh, of the field at the other corner position last year, working at new guys that uh, quarterbacks are probably more likely to prey on those, those younger guys. Um, but that's not a marker against Gladney. Like I said, even when TCU did have two good cornerbacks, no one would throw at him still, uh, Ratings loved him. I know pro football focus was big on him. Uh, Coaches, um, you know, media loved him. Uh, I think there's really no weakness that he showed in college other than the same weakness every TCU defensive back has, which is that they don't turn their head around when the ball is coming to them. But I think that's more of a coaching thing than than a player thing. So uh, he's just been consistent. He's been really, really good.
0: Definitely. Um, and, and for quarterbacks, you know, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're not really looking for ceiling so much like, like you would a wide receiver. You're looking yep. for play in and play out. There were times, the SMU game this year, for instance, when Jeff Gladney was kind of filling multiple there, – there was a lot, a lot of volatility in TC secondary. Um, there were times when he got exposed, but he's the kind of guy who could come into a, a functioning NFL defense and, um, and, and probably start. Um, Okay, so so teams that he might go to Grant, who who are you seeing in mock drafts? Jeff Gladney getting uh, picked by?
1: Yeah, I've seen Minnesota a couple times. Um, both uh, Dan Kadar from SB Nation had him going uh, number twenty two overall in a trade. Kush Paso from uh, CBS Sports had him going number twenty five, which where Minnesota has. Uh, I think that'd be good. He could play across from Xavier Rhodes, uh, which would be a really really good learning experience for for Gladney. And uh, like I think. You called it right. He can be plugged into pretty much any defense uh, in the NFL right now as, as sort of that second guy.
0: Absolutely, and and, and, that, and like that Minnesota. No, um, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, no. I
1: just I just found this. Rhodes was. This shows my ignorance. He uh, was traded to the
0: Colts. I was about to say. So I think Minnesota has an opening. They were um, seventh in uh, in Football Outsiders DVOA. Which is uh, kind of a measure of drive value over 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 average on defense, and so really really strong defense. Who lost an older expensive guy, and and Gladney could find a place to thrive in Minnesota because they do have that hole at corner, and he has played for two and a half years at a high level, more than two and a half years uh, at, at TCU and so could easily plug in there for sure.
1: Yeah, sorry, that completely showed my ignorance, but I think the point still stands that he can fit into any NFL defense, and, and I guess instead of playing alongside Rhodes, he can just kind of fill the spot that he held, but I think that'd be a good spot. I think um, any defense looking to improve their secondary, um, he'd, he'd fit right in.
0: Definitely. I think my favorite one here, um, it's I do see him going to Tennessee, and I've done many a mock draft for myself where Gladney mm-hmm. has been Tennessee's first pick, um, but Walter Football, who, you know, whatever you think about Walter football has Mm -hmm. him going to the New York Jets. And I think it would be cool to have Jamal Adams and uh, Jeff Gladney in the defensive backfield, just because those are two freaks. Like that would be a very, very interesting defense.
1: Yeah. That would at least be the most, uh, I think there's the biggest potential for highlight plays uh, on on this board. If he goes to the Jets.
0: Absolutely. Um cool. Okay, so next up on the uh in kind of again going by grinding the mocks, going on average projected uh position is Ross Blacklock. Um Ross Blacklock is projected to go 34th overall. Um he I've seen him as high as 25th, um but I haven't seen him much lower than that that first couple picks of the second round. So I wouldn't be surprised if Blacklock goes in the first round, but I I would also Um, be surprised if he made it to the second half of the second round for sure he's definitely going to go um early Ross blacklock at tcu grant tell me about his career
1: the one consistent pass rusher um for a lot of his career obviously he missed his sophomore year with an injury uh but like junior year he was the man um he uh well he I, I finished uh tied for first on the team with three and a half sacks which doesn't sound like a lot but then you remember that he plays uh, interior defensive line and most other teams pretty much schemed around stopping him uh he's a kind of he is a physical guy he, he's not the biggest defensive uh tackle in the world but he, he's a strong dude um and he kind of follows the mold of those TCU guys that don't necessarily have the biggest size, really no one on TCU does, but they're aggressive. They have a nose with football and, and and they know how to find it. Um, he didn't stand out as much as guys like, you know, Ben Banning, was drafted by the Colts um, last year or the year before, I can't remember. And, and um, you know, he stuck out. Uh, Josh Caraway obviously kind of stuck out. Um, Blacklock was, like I said, the the stats weren't always there, but he was always the one that was at least – Getting to the quarterback, even if he didn't make the sack, and I, I think if you look at the tape, it's clear that that he has the skills to succeed at the, next, at, the uh, at the next level.
0: Definitely, uh, yeah. So Blacklock is under 300 pounds, weighed in at 290, and is and is six three. So that's still very big, um, but he it's, is not yeah. he's not your um, big defensive lineman who clogs things up. He's he's very much a technique and finesse guy mm-hmm. who can kind of move around and and really demanded a ton of attention. Um, my tweet length review of. Uh, Ross Blacklock's TCU career is that he was as good, and in the interior defensive line as TCU's defensive ends were bad last year, which is um, saying a whole lot. And those things definitely factored into each other. Yeah. Without Ross Blacklock, TCU's defensive line would have been even more of a mess than it was mm-hmm. for sure. And Patterson
1: said s- certain times during the season how much he wanted to see the pass rush approved but Blacklock's name never came up in those discussions. Yeah, we mentioned a couple other players but he never mentioned Blacklock in that. And I think that, that says a lot without saying anything.
0: Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, and so uh, what uh, teams that we see Blacklock going to, um, Seattle is interesting because mm-hmm. Seattle last year in the first round picked LJ Collier, who has struggled at the NFL level. So it would be really interesting to see them kind of pick another TCU player. Although having LJ Collier, whose draft stock shot up at the, last year, like kind of out of nowhere, Collier became a first round pick, um, but would be interesting to see them kind of reunited um, over there. Uh, seen him at to Tennessee, also to Minnesota um, in that kind of late area. The one that might be the most fun is again, Walter football who projects him going in the first round over uh, 32nd overall to Kansas city. So always fun to uh, join a super bowl winning team.
1: Yeah. I, Seattle will be interesting. I, I keep forgetting LJ Collier went so high last year because he, like he was good at TCU, but I didn't think was first round uh, he was a first-round pick.
0: He was a He was a he was a combine guy. 100%. Yeah, he
1: he was. But man, alive. It's crazy how much he improved his stock. Uh, and Seattle will be fun. I, that defense is always really really cool to watch. I, I think Tennessee, although I'd hate to have the Texans play against them, I think he would fit in really well in that defense. Mike Brable was a great coach, and um, they have a really good defense already. So I think plugging him in would be super fun.
0: Definitely, and uh, yeah, Tennessee has like I saw the other day their oldest. Defensive lineman is like 26 or something. They're extremely thin and they're linked to Clowney and there's thoughts they're going to sign Clowney. Um, But so adding defensive interior would be uh, a good situation for Ross Blacklock. I think defensive line, a lot of that is fit and scheme
1: Mm -hmm. where
0: they go. So I think Blacklock's absolutely talented enough. Uh, It'll just depend on kind of the right fit for him.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it's a really great great way to put it. He is not locked into one specific scheme. Yeah, he's it, not like a Warren staff guy. We're just like, okay, clog up the middle. He can, he can do a whole lot of things.
0: For sure. Um, all right. Let's go to the, the third of TCU's kind of high prospect ceiling. So I've heard some talk that even all three of these guys could go in the first round. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if none of them didn't, uh, none of them went in the first round. Um, perhaps the most controversial prospect to come out of TCU in a long time, given this offseason, season, uh, one Jalen Rager. So um, Rager overall in, in the mock drafts is averaging 41. But in, if you kind of filter that for the analytics crowd, um, he is as high as a, a mid first round pick. The uh, analytics crowd really, really likes Jalen Rager right now. And so seeing him go, um, you know, as, as high as 19 in some drafts uh, in, the, in the low 20s and others, um, and then potentially falling into the second round, although I doubt that'll happen. So Grant, I have so many thoughts about this. <laughs> Talk to me about Jalen Rager's TCU career.
1: So I'll let you handle the, uh, the problems you have with Rager. I I will say that although at times he did show some, uh, he, he, I think he had a bit of a drop problem in his final year, but there's no doubt that as a sophomore, when the offense needed him to step up, he did that. uh, Baylor's a, the Baylor game that year is a great example of that. Um, he certainly has all the physical tools to succeed. We saw him be a deep threat. We saw him uh, return punts. We saw him, uh, and uh, he, he took handoffs. He was, he was great there. Uh, there's no doubt that in the right system, Jalen Rager could succeed in the NFL. Uh, and again, you can't necessarily argue with what he did as a sophomore and even a little bit as a freshman. Um, Junior year, however, is a completely different story. And if you have things to say about that, Parker, please go ahead.
0: I think that I agree 100%. Jalen Rager is immensely talented. And I think because of his poor raw stats due to some quarterback issues and turnover uh, during his career, um, he will go later in the first round, which will actually be a blessing for him because Mm -hmm. he will get in a way better situation. And when Jalen Rager does not have to be the only option, he can be insane. Um, yep. When he is the only option, he is still really, really good, as we've seen. Um, my only issue is just that the full the full PR machine happened as soon as as soon as we started talking about the draft. Like as soon as TCU missed a bowl, you just started seeing all these tweets about like, oh man, Rager could have been good, but TCU had quarterback issues, and you're like, okay, one TCU didn't have quarterback issues. TCU also had offense issues where they just like. You, were, you forget the Baylor game last year and the Oklahoma State game last year. Jalen Rager was getting the ball so much because Grayson freaking Mjolstein was starting both of those yeah. games. Uh, and so they, they've had quarterback issues in the past. I uh, get prickly because so much of it was, let me throw whatever I can under the bus to explain away what looked like bad stats.
1: Call it what it is. You're bandico bandicoot, Max Duggan under the bus.
0: I'm mad he threw Max Duggan on the bus. I'm mad that he talked about running a four-two and ran a four-six at the combine. That's embarrassing. It uh, says see? says me who could probably break six uh, flat on a. I don't think
1: dash. I could. I really don't. I'm very slow.
0: Honestly, I- fat me in high school ran like a five-nine something. So I'm like, okay, I'm sixty pounds less than that. I could definitely do that. Yeah,
1: I that that video was very. I, he, I, I think on his fastest day, Rager could approach something close, but I, I need to see a little bit more in that video. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was disappointing. Again, I think he'll be, I think he'll be great. I think his TCU career will be one, um, where it's we a, remember a time of transition and he is one of the great TCU receivers who uh, never really had, never really had the opportunity to be at the top of the development cycle.
1: I, I think, I think it's a very great way to put it.
0: Yeah. Yeah teams that we're
1: seeing i mean man a lot if he goes to i mean where are you seeing him
0: uh green bay which playing with aaron Rodgers, don't have quarterback issues there they have a clear problem where they don't have a secondary receiver um so that would go really nice denver is kind of low-key assembling this all-star offensive team and i say all-star with like air quotes because it's weird uh so quarterback uh i think they think drew lock is their quarterback
1: (laughs) that's cool that they think that
0: but right, it's something one could think. Um, but, if I'm I'm pulling up this list really quickly.
1: Can I tell you who they also thought was their quarterback?
0: Yeah. Rock Osweiler. They did. He's so tall.
1: Yeah, the Texans thought he was their quarterback too. He, he is very tall. Rock
0: Osweiler has about. made so much money. <laughs> um Okay, so here's here's the list of the Denver offense. Uh it is here's why I think Rager and Denver would be hilarious and very exciting if not good so drew Locke, they think he's a quarterback they have on offense lindsey gordon sutton they could draft judy in the first round and get rager in the second and they have Noah Fant. that's a that's a list of like very good college players um with some high upside so in a in a in kind of an ensemble comedy like that i think rager could thrive
1: yeah he's the uh I, know, I was going to try to pull an actor. He, he's like, and this is the end where Michael Sarah pops up for like three minutes at the beginning and kills. Like he could absolutely do that in his first year in the NFL. Just be like, holy hell, Jalen Rager just got an 80 yards like seam from the inside that we didn't see him coming. Yeah. Um, and then we'll see where he develops from there. But he can he can surprise guys with his, with his speed. I, I really think he can. And he's certainly not short. He's not like, you know, Kiki QT I used as, as an example earlier. Like he he's not just a speed merchant, I would say. Yeah. Um, although he certainly does have have the ability to burn guys.
0: Definitely. And and I think you know you saw the Texas Tech game this year, for instance. Texas Tech looked the cornerback looked inside for a half second, and Jalen Rager was in the end zone open. Like yeah. in the NFL, having so many weapons around him is going to give him opportunities to really show off that speed. Now I will say I don't think there are many Texas Tech cornerbacks in the NFL. Um, no, that's that is true. They're <laughs> a little. You would hope that they're a little better than that. Um, you think. Yeah. Okay. So that those, so Gladney, Blacklock and Rager is kind of where we're spending most of our time tonight because that is kind of that, that elite uh, tier potential round one picks. So I want to ask you really quickly, who's a, who's a similar NFL player to each of those three? Yeah. That's, a that's
1: Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, so I, I'm not great at evaluating cornerbacks, right. And, and I'll, I'm the first to admit that, but Gladney's sort of consistency and his ability. He, he's not a guy that picks off every pass. He's not like, I would say, Stephen Gilmore, right, picks up a ton of passes for the Patriots. Um, it comes to mind. But right. guys that are just kind of um, kind of no-fly zones. I mean, uh, I, was, I was making fun of the Texans earlier, but Kareem Jackson's a really good cornerback. Um, and he didn't come up with a ton of picks, but he is really, really good in coverage. And I think, like, in a couple of years, Gladney could easily reach – Kareem Jackson's level. I don't necessarily think that Kareem's his peak. I think Gladney can go higher than that, but that's kind of a guy that comes to mind.
0: Right. Well, and and Kareem has been a starter or near that for what nine seasons now, 2010 to 2018. Like yeah, nine or ten yeah. seasons. Um, and so I think I think Gladney definitely has that kind of staying potential to play at a high level. Um, even if you don't know his name as much, uh, I think he could be a very solid presence.
1: Yeah, and like the Texans moved around anyway all that makes you mad but um yeah no I think he could easily be like a a normal like very very competent starting cornerback uh from the jump
0: yeah I think I think he's he and Rager are most likely to have the the impact Blacklock I think will play um what do you what do you think Blacklock's ceiling in the NFL is even if it's not a, a direct player comp um, yeah what, what is he going to end up
1: as I, he could definitely be like an above average starter I think um defensive tackle there are a lot of Good players at the position, but with with his ability to rush the passer and with the NFL moving to a more pass happy league, uh, hopefully, um, I think you're going to see guys like Blacklock that aren't as big as your typical, like, say, nose tackles of the past were, but have the technique and 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 the speed to get past uh, offensive linemen and and rush the quarterback. So I think he can definitely be an above average guy. I'm not going to say he's going to be Pro Bowl in the first five years, but I think he can certainly, you know, be above average.
0: And he's someone too, because he is, you, you mentioned he's not kind of that mountain of mm-hmm. a man who just stands in the middle, clogs things up. Uh, I think he could get a lot more three down looks, especially as he kind of learns what system he's in. Um, and sure. so be be versatile enough to be, you know, directly on the nose in first and second rushing situations, and then third down, move over to the tackle or yep. um, so yeah, for sure. I think he's got some opportunity. Um, Rager, I think we talked about like a better, you know, kind of that utility guy. Um, I think, I think, the most optimistic thing in the world is that he'd be like a Percy Harvin who would take the fly sweep and get in the backfield and do all these things. Um, I think that's, that. I, well, okay. That's, that's me thinking about college Percy Harvin, Percy Harvin, okay. Percy Harvin's NFL career, I guarantee was, was not as good as it should have been. Um, so I think, I think somewhere along those lines of kind of the utility man who's everywhere.
1: Can, I, I know we're running long, but can I ask you a question here? It, yeah. If Rager, I'm not saying he's equal to these guys. But if you put Rager in, say, Alabama's offense instead of Judy or, or like, Ruggs, do you think he puts up similar numbers?
0: Uh, to them?
1: Or just, I mean, I mean, I know they'd be better, but, like, I know his numbers will be better. But And I think Jerry Judy's a better wide receiver. But if he, if he had been in a more potent offense, do you think he, we'd be talking about him as, like, one of, like, oh, he could go in the top ten?
0: I mean, so you got to think about like the, I mean, he was good for the Kenny Hill years, um, the Kenny Hill year, but I think a lot of that was like being exciting on special teams. um, And a couple, like, I just don't know. I I mean, I think he's really, really talented and I think you have to be creative with him, but I think because of his size, there's going to be things in the NFL you just can't do, you know, like in the big 12, he was faster and could jump higher than a lot of cornerbacks you say like the Texas tech cornerback. And I think in the NFL, there's just going to be cornerbacks. You can't do that so, you know, like Jeff Gladney is probably like a, an average cornerback or above average cornerback in the NFL. Yeah. Um, and so I just, I think that he's going to have to get the ball creatively. He couldn't just line up and be an outside threat only, okay. um, which is okay. why I invoke kind of that Percy Harvin of, I don't think he'll be straight up line at split out every time. I think he'll be motion and take the ball in the backfield and kind of the, the jet sweep or the screen for sure. Okay. I was I was Although one thing we didn't really see from Rager um, aside from some long touchdowns uh, again, I'm thinking of like the Texas tech one and then the dropped one against Baylor mm-hmm. um, middle of the field. Most of his yeah. stuff was outside was stick was out um, just getting him the ball or was kind of sweeper or, or, or like a drag very short. We really didn't see in college Jalen Rager over the deep middle of the field. And so I think potentially he could thrive there just because he can find those gaps and he has, you Know if his hands are not as bad as they looked this year, um, he catches the ball in stride, he could do a lot of damage, uh, especially with his special teams prowess.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely more of a scheme thing than it was. Because, like, the only person going over the middle of the field was pro wells,
0: yeah. So, it's more really um, focused on that. Oh, gosh, who was his who caught the touch? Who's the other a tight end who caught the? Come on, no, 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 um, Aldante Davis, yes, yeah, yeah, caught like one touchdown pass and then went back in his hole for six months of winter or whatever, like the groundhog. Okay. We've been going a long time. So I want to touch on these last three TCU yep. players and maybe we'll just say, um, what do you think? Do you think do they'll you get think drafted players? and what do you think they'll, their NFL career will look like? So first, uh, someone who's been rising up the boards, uh, or at least getting mentioned more Cordell Iguagu uh, TCU's guard interior offensive lineman. He's, um, been, been like a late round pick. What do you think? Uh, do you think he'll get drafted? Do you think what do you think his career will be in the NFL? I,
1: I, I don't mean this in any mean way. I don't know why this is happening. Um, he certainly wasn't TCU's worst offensive lineman by any stretch of the imagination. He was a a, a decent starter. Um, he but, but he got, he got a combine invite and I guess he did. Okay. I, I, I don't know why he, he, listen, the experts seem to think he can go late in the seventh round. I hope he does get that money. Cordell, um, I wouldn't necessarily project him as a as someone who cracked a starting lineup anytime soon, but then again, I'm not an NFL coach, so I don't know.
0: Well, and I think about him in the context of someone like uh, – I mean, 2017 TCU's offensive line was my favorite TCU offensive line in a very long time because when Austin Slotman and Patty Moe were healthy, yeah. there were all sorts of GT trap stuff mm-hmm. that was just awesome. And TCU, whether that's because – guys on the outside have been hurt and they've had to shuffle guys around like the second half of this year hasn't really had a good pulling guard or a good pulling center. Um, and so like, I'm kind of like, if, if Iwagwu was that good, why didn't we see it? Yeah. You know? Um, So I I think he's got the body and he's smart and could definitely Mm -hmm. get on a roster. Um, but I would be surprised to see him go very high at all.
1: Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm rooting for him to make a roster. It just kind of, I was kind of surprised and I, I didn't necessarily understand that hype. Um, do you want to talk about the other offensive lineman, Lucas Niang?
0: Yes. I kind of just did a uh a, a um home alone face because I just skipped over him in my notes. I think he's gonna go as high as potentially the third round. Um Yeah. Yeah. I
1: you have to worry worry about the injury, although by all accounts he's fully healthy. Yes. Um he had that tear in his hip. Um I mean he was really good. He didn't allow a sack for his final two seasons, uh, one to final one and a half seasons. Yeah, uh for my mm. right tackle. Um Good lineman, I I, I think he – I don't mean this in any mean way at all. He had that surgery knowing it would end the season um, and then prepare for the draft and, look, get that money, you know, whatever. Um, He didn't necessarily run the same PR campaign. Um, So I, I, I think he could be a very, very good right tackle. I don't think he can be a left tackle, but for right tackle, I think he'd be a good prospect.
0: Absolutely. And I think um, I've seen a couple of these uh, charts going around that say, here's what NFL teams, here's the list of players NFL teams wanted to meet with. And more than one of those that I've seen has had all TCU linemen as a category. And so I think Niang has a lot of respect just from the name and the fact that there's, what now, four TCU tackles uh, Something like and, that. and a center, Joey Hunt just signed again yep. that are on rosters. And, and, and then some of those are starting and contributing. So I definitely think he will, um, be a, be a hot commodity in those, in those mid rounds.
1: Can I reach you the most ridiculous thing I've read about a prospect this year? Yeah. Um, I don't have the source on this. Um, they don't that makes it even
0: better this time of year.
1: Yeah. They, they don't, um, deserve your page views for printing this. <clears throat> this is, this is from an anonymous scout. He's a big talented guy, but he's inconsistent. You'd like a guy as big as him to be a little more dominant. I don't want to go so far as to say he's not tough, but he's not as tough as he should be for as big as he is. That plays into who the kid is. He comes from money. He doesn't have to have football.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I don't
1: know, man. Matthew Stafford went to Highland Park.
0: Yeah, I don't get that. Well, and this is kind of like the – I was on a podcast last week and was talking to somebody about like Moneyball and football. Mm-hmm. And you know the scene in Moneyball when they're like, "He has an ugly girlfriend, no confidence, yeah. can't play." And he's like, yep. well, "What does that have to do with him hitting the curveball?" And this is kind of—I feel like we're in that stone age of college football for sure, of just like looking for any reason to knock a guy.
1: I that blew my mind, yeah. man. I can't imagine. Also,
0: that. are they like licensing scouts? Do you have to have like a piece of paper or something laminated? Because <laughs> that could be like. Yeah, who knows what that means.
1: <laughs> I know I know a lot of scouts on Twitter that I don't think are employed by an NFL organization. <laughs>
0: uh yeah, that's that's probably that's probably true. Um, woof. Okay, so uh the other two guys are are TCU's running backs. Um, I don't know that either of them are necessarily on draft boards, Darius Anderson and Shea Will Alana Lua. Mm. Both of them are getting some buzz as potential undrafted free agent signings or late-round picks. I think both of them will be um good pickups just because they are two competent running backs who had to share a backfield um yep and so i think darius anderson could be a guy where he he thrives in the nfl gets into a good situation and people say like where was he in college and it'll just be because he had to share a backfield
1: so i really like darius anderson and i hope he succeeds i will say that i think there are a lot of darius anderson's in the nfl you know what i mean yeah definitely which one
0: um, like on one hand bodes well but then also sure. is like well there's a lot of them yeah
1: right for sure i i, I think shewo is definitely more of a unicorn in that regard um like he's a big dude like you said has all the physical tools but he's also really good at catching passes um he's not as speedy as darius but i think that pass catching ability probably might be a little bit more valuable yeah i well, I, I, I if i had a bet i would bet that shewo lasts longer than darius
0: I th- I think so too. He definitely um he played wide receiver a ton this year. Like like straight up yeah. played wide receiver and then also was Max Duggan's favorite check down option on mm-hmm. every kind of play. So I think he has a, a versatile skill set and he's just uh big and fast. Yes. And that really sets him apart. So yes. I think I he will I think he'll thrive as well.
1: I have I have one question that we oh, kinda yes. touched on, but but I want to synthesize it. Um this is from uh this is from Bryce McDougal. Um Oh, is this from Twitter? I didn't even see we had a Twitter no, question. No, this is from Twitter. This is, uh, this is a, a special um, direct question. Ah, okay. uh, but uh, how high is too high to take an offensive lineman? Because we talk, kind of talked about a little, uh, that a little bit earlier. I've seen a lot of people talking about how there could be a big run in offensive tackles um, in the top ten of this year's draft, which is really interesting to me. And kind of synthesizing with, with that, does Niang benefit from that rise, or is he in that sort of second tier of offensive tackles?
0: I think he's mm-hmm. in the second tier. I think Niang is definitely in the second tier. I think that a run on offensive tackles, though, only makes his situation better. Like, if Miami yeah. trades up for a tackle, I think someone's like, oh, boom, I'll just take Niang in the third then. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I-, I think it's definitely some path dependence. I think the the problem with tackle, like, I- again, I don't think I would take an interior offensive lineman in the first round, yeah. Um, short of them being Quentin Nelson being an absolute monster. um, But... I just think that if you really need a tackle, then it's probably better to take a tackle earlier. But mm-hmm. like, I would not trade up for a tackle. Me neither. Miami. I, I don't, don't do it. it. Yeah, man. Like, who, was it a uh, Eric Fisher that went number one overall? Yeah. Tackle? And like, he's had
1: a fine NFL career, but.
0: But number one. And you're just automatically paying them so much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think that's probably the right answer. I, I think you don't want to take a tackle unless he's a, like a unicorn in the top 10 or interior offensive lineman. Uh, but I think this helps Niang for sure. If there's yeah. a run, it's like, great. Then he's the next guy up because he's kind of in that second tier and it's either there's a big run and he goes in the second or third round or teams wait and he goes in the fourth or the fifth.
0: Absolutely. Well, and, and I think my big theory about like, look, if I needed a tackle and I couldn't move up and get one in the first round, I would just take one in like the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round, you know, yeah. and just be like, okay, give me an Auburn tackle in the sixth round and I bet he's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, for sure. That that was one thing I think next year when we're doing this podcast again, or just for some off season content, we should do like, kind of like you said, what school would you say? Great. I'm just going to take a tackle from Auburn or a receiver from Oklahoma state or whatever. And yeah. how could you build the best mm-hmm. NFL team? But yeah.
0: Anyway. That would be that would be fun. And that might be that. We we could probably do that. I think I'm interested in that because yeah. I have so many thoughts. Uh, if you had to take one position from TCU, it has to be defensive back, right? Maybe mm-hmm. offensive line? Yeah. Well, I think it might be offensive
1: line with the way it's been going. I was thinking defensive line because there's a lot of aggressive guys there too, but there's a lot of TCU offensive linemen in the NFL right now.
0: Right. Well, and I think the ceiling on TCU offensive linemen is higher than the ceiling on yeah defensive lineman. Lineman, for sure and then i guess i just love jason vrett but like he was hurt and he's kind of a role player now so he, yeah
1: he's the one guy i wish had been healthy and was able to stick yeah. it out in the nfl because he was unbelievable in college yeah don't I you really just want to like bad.
0: see the monday night football break where they talk about him getting torched and then like almost quitting and then becoming the best corner in the league yeah that'd be yeah. awesome yeah yeah awesome. so. Cool. We can well, talk
1: about, well, listen, if you want to make this a Jason Brett podcast, we can.
0: We can do the Jason Brett podcast. I was there to see the, the unmaking and the remaking out of front of the <laughs> seat of all of that. So very, very excited about that. Um, cool. All right. So this has been the Draft Spectacular. Um, and we will get this out tonight so that you can listen to it tomorrow morning. Um, and hear the things uh before the draft goes away but um we will be on twitter tomorrow night during the draft uh one laughing at the olds trying to use the technology and two also talking about tcu players and where they win and why that was good so make sure you follow grant at grant and, the Galliard, and you follow me at stats o War. other than that grant and i will be back uh next week and catch us on twitter i guess r.i.p shutdown forecast